0: are listening to the next best picture podcast and this is our review of men hello hi mrs marlowe yes
1: harper yes Div, come in the words i have to say it's a beautiful, beautiful be simple, house but <laughs>
2: will it just be you staying or...
0: excuse me mrs marlowe no? no until
2: you give your love there's nothing more that we can do
1: Apple from the garden
2: yeah, it was delicious.
1: No 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 no. Mustn't do that.
3: Forbidden fruit. Oh God, sorry, I I I'm I am drinking. Oh. oh You're
2: tormented.
1: It feels more like haunted. Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony and let himself go.
2: You must wonder why you drove him to it.
1: Why well, I didn't drive him to it.
2: I think it'd be true that if you had given him the chance to apologize, he'd still be alive.
0: What? He
3: followed me out of the woods. He was stalking me.
0: What makes you say that?
3: I saw him twice.
0: Twice? I don't know if he saw you once. Well play a game. You hide. I'll see. You must feel an awful sense of guilt.
2: Stay away from me! What are you doing?
0: This? What are you? All right, everybody. You were just listening to the trailer for Men, and the story is as follows. In the aftermath of a personal tragedy, Harper retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside, hoping to find a place to heal. However, someone or something from the surrounding woods appears to be stalking her. What begins as simmering dread soon becomes a fully formed nightmare inhabited by her darkest memories and fears. The film is starring Jesse Buckley, Rory Kinnear, Papa Esidu, and Gail Rackin. It is written and directed by Alex Garland. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Emma Sasek.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: Zoe Rose Bryant. Hello, hello evo day hi there and the unfortunate men of this review josh parham hello hello And myself. Josh, we shouldn't even be here. What are we doing? (laughs) Yikes, boys. We're in for quite a night. (laughs) All right. Well, this is the third feature-length film from Alex Garland. Previously gave us Ex Machina and Annihilation, two movies that I have enjoyed discussing here on the podcast before, so I would not pass up the opportunity to discuss a new film from him. Starring, of course, Jesse Buckley, who we are all big fans of over here. Academy Award nominee most recently for The Lost Daughter, so congratulations to her and everything that she's got going on. A24, horror film, despite what Alex Garland would have you all believe, it is a horror film. (laughs) And also starring Rory Kinnear like 24 times. So, there's a lot to discuss with this one, and the reactions to it have been polarizing from what I've read. Some people really like it. Some people really hate it. And the audiences are reacting exactly as I expected. It just recently got a D plus cinema score. And yeah, men, do we suck? Does it suck? It sucks, right? It sucks. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it sucks. I don't know. what well, we'll get into it. Let's hear first from Zoe Rose Bryant.
1: It's good to start with me because I have a feeling it'll go downhill from here. Um, but I loved this movie. I think I don't know if I'm in the minority at this point or what the exact breakdown is between those who loved it and those who hated it. I'm pretty sure it's split right down the middle with this one. Okay. Okay. So that makes me feel a little better. But um I'm a huge Alex Garland fan. I I really I've loved everything he's done, including devs. I just and especially his films and I think he has really great high concepts and i actually have always felt that he realizes those concepts to their full potential and i also have really appreciated um his insight into the feminine experience with all his female protagonists so far like alicia vikander natalie portman and now jesse buckley um and i think he's really good with mood which was the first thing that gripped me with men um he just had such a strong sense of setting um, and I was really, you know, I felt the foreboding atmosphere immediately. And that's always something I love with horror movies. I want to feel immediately immersed. Um, and I really got that here. But even beyond the aesthetics of the movie, I found it really thematically compelling too. Um, I don't think he's saying anything revolutionary here, which, but I didn't really go in expecting that. I think what impressed me more was less what he was saying and how he was saying it. I really liked how he came at this idea that, all men are the same kind of portrayed through Rory Kinnear playing all the men um, via all these religious and naturalist and historical perspectives and all that imagery that's there to dissect. And, you know, that haunting final sequence really brought it all together. But I was really thoroughly engaged the entire time. I found it, you know, both fascinating from just a visual standpoint, but also story-wise. My only downside was that I did feel at times that Jesse Buckley was kind of underwritten and defined solely by the trauma in her life but when you look at the film as a grander metaphor for men and women kind of like i call back to mother with taryn aronofsky when you think of her less as a concrete character and more as you know a symbol which people may dislike but that's the way i kind of came at it i was a little less critical of that so overall i really had a great time with it and it stuck with me since i saw it last week
0: okay All right. I did not realize that we were going to be starting off on the high like that. Maybe we will be going in descending order. I do not know. (laughs) Tell you the truth, I really don't know what any of your reactions to this movie are for the most part. So why don't I go over next to Eve O'Day. Eve, what did you think of men?
4: Okay. well, considering that this film had such a polarizing uh, matter of opinion uh, so far on the Internet, I fall in probably the rarest category of And this probably also the most unfortunate, which is kind of apathy. I really didn't feel any sort of emotion or interest during the screening. The strongest emotion I did feel, I think we can probably all relate, is just like abject disgust at certain moments. I'm pretty good when it comes to gore and horror. I rarely look away from the screen. This one was really gross like for lack of a better word it's just really gross so putting that aside and I'm sure we'll talk more about the sort of effects and body horror that the film uh takes place in I just really can't find myself very interested in a film that puts its message or its metaphor so blatantly out in the forefront you know I I don't think I think I'm seeing a lot of people online saying that Alex Garland has you know so to say bad gender politics i don't really think that's the case i think what he's saying is is admirable but it's not anything new it's not pre- done in a particularly effective way i don't think i i just think that a film like this was so bloated with symbolism that it never really had any internal deeper substance. It was very external, and I don't think it really ever managed to get below the surface or really kind of pull apart or examine what it was really um, trying to examine.
0: I'm actually pretty aligned with you, Eve, because I almost feel like this movie is the kind of film that gives you tools to be able to go off and have these kind of discussions on your own. Not about the movie, but more so the movie inspiring conversation versus conversation about the movie itself. Yeah. And I, I hear exactly what you're saying in terms of like the bluntness of the messaging. I'll, I'll I'll reserve my thoughts for uh, the end here, Uh, but I'm very much aligned with you in that regard for sure. All right. Let's hear next from Emma Sasek.
2: Eve, I think you really put it very, very well um, with everything that you just said. I, also came out of that film just really not feeling anything. I mean, um, even with Alex's uh, earlier two films, um, Ex Machina and Annihilation, you know, I like was very engaged with the stories, even though they also were very cold feeling, <laughs> you know, movies like they were very dark. They were very uh, just sinister in some ways, just based on the things that were going on. Um, This movie also follows that same type of feel, but I just felt that it was even colder than those other films. Uh, Just something about it was just, it just didn't work for me. Um, I I do appreciate and I understand what he is trying to tell with this story thematically um, and the many different topics that he is trying to get at, such as grief and trauma. Um, And I I think that the cinematography is the film's strongest element. Um, I think that certain scenes are just so beautiful and colors stand out. Um, The performances are really great as well, but just overall, like... It's just, I don't know, it's like this film was like miles away from anywhere near what I would have wanted with a film based on this topic. And um, yeah, it was just kind of a strange, strange feeling to leave and being like, well, all right, I saw a movie, I suppose. Um and just not really being able to connect to it or or even want to <laughs> unpack a little bit of it more, even though, uh, like you said, Eve, and what um, uh, you said, Matt, too. Like it's it's pretty much just wearing itself on its sleeve and just telling you everything that it is, and you don't really have to dig too deep into it. So yeah, it was just a bit of a strange viewing experience. I haven't had a a reaction to a film like that in in quite some
0: time. All right. We come to the boys now the men oh gee josh parham <laughs> what did you think well oh god <laughs>
3: <laughs> well you know like everybody else has already said i have a lot of admiration for alex garland not just for his previous two movies that he directed but even the ones that he didn't but just wrote you know 28 days yeah. later one of my favorite all-time horror movies i love sunshine never let me go is really good too so I I do have a lot of admiration for his work just in general as a storyteller. And I do have to echo some of the disappointments walking out of this movie. I do think I liked it overall. I, I think that there is enough in terms of the aesthetics here, in terms of the performances, that did keep me engaged enough for me to think it was a good movie overall. But I, I also do very much agree with what has already been said, which is, to me, the biggest issue I have with this film is... It's messaging is so blunt to me, and I don't think I'd have as much of a problem with that if I didn't feel like the filmmaking wanted to emphasize this more opaque storytelling that it seems like it wanted to indulge in. And it felt like that was an exercise in futility to me because I, I don't know, it just seemed like overall it was sort of not that challenging to figure out what the overall messaging of the movie was and noticing the techniques being used to make it seem like it was deeper and more ambiguous was a bit frustrating to me because it's like, well, you're doing all these tricks and I don't really feel like they're necessary. And I think that was an element of the storytelling that I never really jived with. And that's the reason why I did feel a bit of a distance with it overall. But having said that, I still think it's good. I still like the performances from Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear and all of these different roles. I mean, I think some of them for Rory Kinnear are better than others, but he's still very compelling in this. And she is, too. So I like it. It's a good movie, but I wasn't necessarily pulled in as much as other Garland works. I'll be honest about that.
0: So I echo the sentiment. For Alex Garland as a filmmaker, as a screenwriter, really have been captivated by his work for a number of years now at this point. And of course, I was super excited heading into this, you know, uh, Rob Hardy, the cinematographer uh, who's been brought up here now, I feel like he's one of the most unique DPs that's not getting praised Enough These days, I think like Annihilation is one of the most unique looking movies I've ever seen. Mission Impossible Fallout is gorgeous. Ex Machina also had a very distinct look to it as well. So bringing that into men coupled along with these actors, I went into this with a tremendous amount of anticipation. And I'm watching this and I saw it with Lauren LaMagna. And there were a couple times during the screening where I like whispered over Lauren and I said a thing or two here or there. Not too much, just like two or three times and one of them at one point i whispered over to her like i leaned over and i was just like do you know what do you know what's going on right now and <laughs> and she was like you mean like below the surface and i was like yeah 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 and she's like i don't know yeah let's wait and see how it goes and sure enough i'm watching it and i'm seeing this story unfold and on the surface level this is a very basic horror film like the premise is extraordinarily simple Woman trying to overcome her trauma, moves to the countryside. She's isolated. She's trying to get away. Big, beautiful house. Scary, bad shit happens, right? We've seen this before. So I'm watching this, and I'm seeing, like, all this opaque symbolism and all the stuff that, you know, like Josh said, that Alex is throwing at us. And I'm sitting there like, what does it all mean? And I'm trying to, like, crack the code, if you will. And then he does this... (laughs) this absolutely crazy bonkers fucking third act, which is just like splitting my head open as I'm watching it unfold. And I was so in, I was in to the movie at that point. Like I I was like, Oh, I'm just getting full marks from me. I I love this. And then the final moment of the movie actually happened with two characters sitting on a couch, talking to one another. And that is when the ultimate theme of the movie is said out loud. It is blatant. (laughs) You don't need to work hard anymore to figure anything out. And any conversation that you have about this movie, like I was saying before, feels like instead it's going to be a byproduct of the movie and talking about maybe stuff that has gone on in your personal life versus anything about the movie itself. Because the movie, all of a sudden, like any kind of mystery box element that you were trying to solve while watching it all of a sudden just lays it all out on the table for you. So at that point, I walked away from it kind of kind of euphoric because I, I will admit I was riding the high of that third act uh, pretty heavily. I I really like some fucked up, gory shit, and I felt like I got a lot of that in that uh, final act. So that was great for me. Uh, but then thematically, as I was thinking about it and thinking about it more and more and more, it just started to settle in that... This movie is one that I feel is good like on a first-time watch, but like it would not reward a second viewing uh, because so many of the themes that it covers have been done to death at this point by so many other storytellers, and I just feel that that's a letdown for Alex Garland. Maybe in the hands of a filmmaker that I did not have this kind of expectation for, I'd be more forgiving. But because I know what he's capable of and he's given us such originality, in the past, I was very surprised to get a movie from him that seemed so I hate to say this term, but basic. Yeah. <sighs> the movie is ultimately like trying to showcase how men have used women, men have uh basically abused women, and men have ultimately sought to take from women, uh, all throughout history. Like he's charting like this course here through uh, these like folklore and religious iconography images, and so on and so forth, with like these different types of characters that Rory Kinnear is playing, one being a little boy, one being a priest, another one being like this uh, very friendly uh, caretaker, and you know there's other variations. He plays so many characters and this that, like it's hard to keep track at a certain point. Uh, but in the end, I just kind of walked away from this saying, okay, like kind of like Emma, like I like like almost with a shrug, like. All right. Yeah. I, OK, that's it. I, I've seen that before.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Can we just uh, as a group give a just a round of applause for Rory Kinnear for going where no man has gone before?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will say that Rory Kinnear, he instantly shot this movie up an extra point for me oh. because if I didn't like him as one character, I liked him as another and some certain characters like Jeffrey, the uh, the owner of the, of oh the house. God. I love Jeffrey so <laughs> <My> much. <God. laughs> I yeah. loved him to. I really was not expecting to laugh during this movie. Seriously, did you guys laugh? I my my audience was howling at some yeah, of his lines. I mean yeah. he
2: was just like the awkward man making his little jokes, not really can't read the room whatsoever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but what's really amazing about that performance in particular, like that particular character, is that. Despite that lightheartedness that he brings to it and despite how much I was laughing, there were points where that laughter became uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And there's like a slight tinge of uncertainty that comes through in his performance where you're wondering, oh, is he sinister? Mm -hmm. No, no, he seems too nice for that. I mean, of course, then, you know, by the end, all hell breaks loose. But early on, I'm watching him and I'm like, he, he like, he allows us to like drop our guards down with how
1: charming his performance is at first, you know? I like when we get that line, too, where he talks about his dad being hard on him, or I don't remember the specifics of the circumstance, but I thought that was an interesting addition because it does show you, like, we think this guy is so great, but we don't know what's kind of brewing beneath the surface and, like, what pain men can inflict on men, too.
4: Yeah, also the fact that, you know, the final... Climactic uh, body horror moment is indi- is indicative of the fact that it's a continuing cycle that yes. has to, can only be continued by and has to be stopped by men in general.
0: Yes, I, I love. That. Thank you so much, Eve, for saying that because. It was funny I was at um I was at an after party for this movie and so many people were talking about the ending. What do you think it means? and a lot of people were like, I need I need time to like process it and really <laughs> I yeah. came to that same conclusion pretty quickly <laughs> as well. <laughs> like I understand like the visceral shock of it all without giving away spoilers like seeing it actually happen right before your eyes I I, I gotta admit I was like, well, I'll put that in a never seen it yeah. before <laughs> column. <laughs>
2: That's going on the bingo sheet for 2022. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely turned my stomach.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. I loved it. I I loved that moment so much because of the fact of how original it felt. Maybe not in terms of it's, once again, it's thematic ideas, but like conceptually, visually seeing it actually play out on screen the way that it it did, that was almost worth the price of admission for me.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I do agree that like visually speaking, it was very striking and a really interesting moment. But at the same time, it was very obvious what the metaphor was supposed to be. Like, yes, it's rebirth of trauma. It's a cycle of Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity that keeps going and going. Like, it was was very, very obvious to be that's what the ending was supposed to represent. And I felt like there were many points in the movie that sort of – that came across like that, too, where it seemed like the filmmaking was indulging on these very sort of, you know – intriguing aesthetics, but at the same time, there really wasn't that much beneath the surface for me, and it felt like a lot of compensation for kind of
0: shallow storytelling at the end of the day, and that dichotomy was the source of a lot of frustration with me with this movie. To me, at times when I was watching this, this almost felt like, what if Lars von Trier made a studio Hollywood horror movie?
1: (laughs) I think... I did, like, the provo- the provocation, I think, definitely jumps out as very Von Trier-esque.
0: And also, and also too, and I hate using this term, a little bit of pretentiousness going on, maybe? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I was yeah. gonna say... Like, I, like, I'm sorry, I know that's, like, a very insulting term to filmmakers, but, like,
1: ah... This movie really thinks it's smarter than it is. It mm-hmm. felt very, like, college gender studies thesis-y to me, but I took a lot of gender studies stuff so I was like oh I'm like picking up on like the religious iconography like you were saying and all this stuff so I definitely think that like you know big brain mentality is there <laughs> but I think I think it's one of those things where like if you if you ride that wavelength and you like really you know get into that it like delivers but I totally see how it like kind of like mother-esque like it's off-putting and like to try hard to
4: I mean at the very beginning, when she, you know, eats the forbidden fruit, I'm thinking, okay, that's like the most obvious metaphor you could possibly make.
3: Mm-hmm. Is
4: there like an extra layer to that? Like it kind of, it, it comes full circle where it's like, it's so obvious that it's, that it's brilliant. And I don't think so. <laughs> I think the answer is no.
0: Yeah. I hear you on that one, Eve. And like, I, that was another thing too, where I... I think I I think my brain was working harder than the movie was at times while watching this because I, too, was trying to uncover if there was hidden meeting or if this was going to lead to something else later. To me, the thing that I actually found to be the most fascinating thing to engage with, and this goes back to something that I've said on other podcasts before, if you haven't heard me say it, real world horror, like stuff that could feasibly actually happen in reality scares me more than any jump scare or anything that a filmmaker usually has in their toolbox uh, within the horror genre to scare me. Yes. And that conversation that takes place between Harper and um, uh, James, her husband, in their brightly lit red apartment, to me, is probably the most terrifying part of the movie overall. That Mm.
2: scene just looks so apocalyptic with that orange hue coming inside And obviously the content of the conversation as well is just beyond your wildest dreams. Like nothing that you would ever want to hear, experience, and then just us witness, like being a fly on the wall and being like, this is something that I should not be seeing whatsoever. This is way too much right now.
0: I like that you said apocalyptic, Emma, because to me, I got that feeling as well. Because I was wondering, why is this lit orange? I've seen red. I see red in a lot of movies. And I was like, it's very rare that I see orange. So I was like, what, what is he trying to convey with this? And the only thing I could keep coming back to was uh, this idea of fire, this idea of her world burning down, apocalyptic, like you said.
2: Yeah, everything is about to change whether she realizes it or not and kind of kind of didn't
0: realize it. And speaking just from like a personal place for a moment here, like I've had a conversation before where somebody threatened me with that sort of drastic action. Mm. So seeing that like play out there, like mm. it, it hit really hard because once again, like that is something that happens, in, happens every day. People fight and then they make really dramatic statements like that. And then it's like in the moment, you don't know if they're really telling the truth or not. And it's like, how dare you say such a thing? Because now you've got me gaslit into worrying about like you and our situation and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And it, it was really, really painful to watch uncomfortable. Like you said, like we're not supposed to be watching it.
2: I will also say that, um, you know, in terms of the scenes that this looks like it's scarier because it could actually happen. Um, The tunnel scene
3: where that emerges,
2: that was my fight or flight activated in that moment. (laughs) I was like, if I was in that tunnel, I would be screaming, I would be (laughs) running, mud would be flying all over the place. Like just those moments where very much like somebody is creeping around the corner, somebody is running towards you, possibly somebody not clothed is following you. Uh, it's just like those are truly terrifying moments that, yeah, it's a it's a female experience where, you know, mm-hmm. men following around women when they're alone and definitely activated like that fearfulness within me, at least.
4: That was yeah. definitely the, the highlight of this movie for me, that scene. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I would say like this for me, the. First act is probably the strongest overall because it still has like that aura of mystery to it. We don't really know where the film is going necessarily. And these moments like the introduction of Jeffrey and then also that tunnel sequence, like you said, like these are the moments of uneasiness and creepiness that the movie is playing with its audience on a level where I feel like it's most effective.
2: Yeah, it's rooted in reality.
0: Right, exactly. And then once it starts becoming a little bit more entrenched within the horror genre and it starts getting a little bit more fantastical, like I was still having fun with it, but it wasn't nearly as strong. Um, And then it kind of lost me until that that
1: sequence at the (laughs) very, very end. I was going to say I'm a big fan of body horror, so I, I do like where it goes in the third act. But to me, the most effective moments were when. Alex Garland really pushes, especially, I think, female viewers into these places with these certain tense scenarios Um, that Jesse Buckley's character has with all these variations of Rory Kinnear, where even if he doesn't go the direction your mind goes, he gets your mind to go there. And that's what really stuck with me, like when she's with the priest and like when he puts his hand on her thigh, like yes. I literally like I clenched up like it was like so yes. intimidating. And then they have that scene later, of course, but. All these little moments where I'm like, what my mind is creating is like scarier than what I'm seeing on screen, but he's the one who knows kind of what to show us and what to do to get us to that point. So I thought that was really effective and cool.
2: I could not get my hands up, my eyes off of the hand on the thigh oh, that entire I time. I was like, you're lingering a little bit too long, slash, you shouldn't have put it there in the first place.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and the other brilliant note about that moment too is that when he first does it he puts his hand on her her knee she doesn't react at first, which felt also very true to life. It's like, it's a weird moment, but you're like, well, it is a priest. Maybe he's just trying to be familiar and comforting. But then as the conversation keeps going, you Mm -hmm. realize what is actually happening in the situation. And then that's when she reacts. But even like the very first moment kind of really understood like the real world calibrations that somebody in that situation would make, and then how you would react later on. Like that is a moment that I thought was very, very well done.
2: That was actually my favorite Rory character. Anytime the vicar showed up, I was like, what mischief are we about to get into?" Well, anybody you shows you never
3: knew. Your nails is like
2: that you know too. It's trouble. Uh, yes, uh. that too. But just yeah, he just had this like such a such a presence in every single moment that just made me clench up a little bit every time I saw him, and rightfully so.
1: (laughs) And his eyes, I would not get rid of, like, his eyes were, like, so dark. I think they were darker than Rory Kinnear's actual eyes, and Mm -hmm. it was, like, it was haunting to me, like, just the look he would give her. Oh, my God.
0: Well, I really love that, like, each man that Rory Kinnear embodies in this feels wholly distinct Mm -hmm. uh, to the point that that was the second thing that I leaned over and whispered over to Lori (laughs) when we were watching this because I didn't know uh, heading into it about Rory Kinnear playing multiple men because I'd only ever seen the teaser trailer, I never watched the full-length trailer for this. Oh. So, at one point I like lean over to Lauren and I'm like I think they're all played by the same guy. <laughs> and then like And then like 4 minutes later I lean back over again and I go Oh my God! It's all Rory. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: hated the kid figure because it was just so weird oh to look at his face on his that mask.
0: <laughs> I was like convinced that that mask was not an actual practical mask. I was like, that's got to be CGI <laughs> because it looked it looked fake, didn't it?
4: What do you mean, like the mar- like the blonde mask?
0: Yes, that he that he wears a, that the, oh. like the kid wears. I didn't
4: think so that it looked fake. I thought his superimposed face on his head looked fake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I
3: it don't think the mask was fake. I,
4: I think it, I, uh, I don't know. What yeah. About that. It was just very clearly. Like, I understand the point of that character, but it was, it was so unpleasant to look at.
1: Yeah, and that was the only one that was unconvincing for me. Not because of Rory, but just I don't think the VFX were all the way there. So that kind of hurt what Alex was going for. And there's actually more subtle VFX
0: on actually the adult versions of some of the characters that Rory is actually playing. And Mm -hmm. obviously some makeup work, some really bad wigs. Oh my god, the
4: wig. Oh my god.
0: He's changing his voice. Like, I got to give the guy credit. He wrote backstories for each one of these characters, fully embodied all of them, no matter how much screen time they had. Like, this is a very classically trained actor, and it shows here. As I said before, like, this movie gets one extra point for his work in it because I was just so impressed that he was able to really like make each one of these characters distinct, to even to the point that, like I said, me not knowing, he had me fooled for the first couple of minutes of this movie, not realizing that it was all the same person.
2: Absolutely. He takes my spot. This obviously has a very limited cast. However, among the ones that we have, he is definitely the MVP here because you're getting the sense that, yes, these are characters who have, you know, backgrounds and they have lived full lives that I'm understanding through these very small conversations and in some instances like just a glimpse at them at the pub or um, walking around outside and yeah he just embodied every single person in the most creepy way (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you
3: slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Coming up on 5-Minute News,
4: I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So five minute news is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.
1: And I think that brings me to like my, the main thing I didn't like from the movie, which overall, obviously I really loved it, but I feel like Alex Garland has written really well-rounded female protagonists in the past. Like like I said earlier, whether it was Alicia Vikander and Ex Machina, who you're constantly like contemplating what she wants and like whose side she's on, or even Natalie Portman in Annihilation. She has that tragic backstory with um, Oscar Isaac, but she also has really unique you know, interests and motivations on her own. And I felt like Jessie Buckley here was, you know, she's playing it, she plays it so well. I think she does a great job, but there's not as much for her to play, and I do feel like she gets a little too metaphorized as it goes on. And I would have liked to see a bit more agency and I guess depth to the role.
0: Yes, I agree. Because I didn't feel like she was a character so much as she was a stand-in for Mm -hmm. the audience. And that was definitely a bit of a bummer. Like they try to give her some moments with her sister Mm -hmm. um, or or was it her friend? I can't remember exactly. Friend. Friend, yeah. Um, But she's just like pretty much a, a role that's done over FaceTime. Uh, that we never see throughout the movie. So Jesse Buckley is like really isolated in this and she really has, you know, for the most part, she's acting opposite of uh, nothing a lot of the time here. Uh, so yes, she's good because she holds our attention throughout. But, you know, I'm not going to rank this as one of the best like scream queen, you know, performances I've seen in recent memory. Not saying she's bad, but, you know, there wasn't there wasn't much there.
4: She said the line... What? Like, so often. She just would respond to something by saying, and I'm trying to do that accent that she has, and I've failed, but um,
2: she would just, she would trying just to do react it now. to
4: something and say the word what, and there was a point where someone said something to her, and I was like, don't say what, don't say what. And just, <laughs> but yeah, she has, you know, proven herself to be a tremendous actress over the past few years, and I, yeah, it was, I don't think she really had a hell of a lot to do in this. I mean, like I said, that I'm. This is kind of uh, nitpicky, but the de- the detail of her kind of singing in the um, in the tunnel is kind of interesting. If you know her background as like a musical theater performer, you're like, oh, she got to like get, use her vocal talent in a way that was kind of interesting. But other than that, I think it wasn't necessarily a role that I couldn't see anyone else playing.
0: For the record, Eve, have you seen Wild Rose?
4: Oh yeah.
0: Oh okay. All right. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure.
2: <laughs> I also wonder if the lack of any development in her character is just another way to show men don't really care about women. They don't care about them as people. They're just objects and things in this world.
0: But then I feel like Alex is not doing himself any favors by yeah. actually <laughs> embracing that thought. Like exactly. I, I, it would have to be unintentional
2: exactly. And so, yeah, I, now I'm one that's where my mind went to first. But now I'm also just wondering, like, yeah, what, what were his true intentions with this character, aside from having her, oh, echo. I mean, that, was, that gave us more insight into her life than anything else. I mean, yeah, I think that's very, a
3: generous reading, um, personally. Know, I'm,
2: I'm just trying to say something positive.
4: Um, yeah. I mean, the very ending of the film, I don't know if we're there yet. That very last moment, Matt, that you're specifically talking about where her... Dead ex-husband comes and basically lays it out pretty thick as to like what the whole metaphor of the movie is, and she just doesn't do anything. <laughs> I was like, "What? That's that's the end. We're not gonna. She's not gonna. You know, defend herself. She's not gonna say anything of note. She's just gonna kind of settle for it." And you know that was a little disappointing because obviously the sort of thesis of the film is how women have found themselves kind of painted into corners because of men and it would be a, have been nice if by the end of the film she you know came out triumphant and it's not like it wasn't akin to sort of I'm just using this as an example it wasn't akin to the ending of Promising Young Woman where it's such such a devastating ending that it, it is sort of a, a daring choice to make it just felt like he didn't know how to end it. So he just
1: didn't. Yeah, I think he was trying to, especially through like the rebirth, I think he was getting at this point where like each man kind of became more pathetic than the last. And like they started so powerful and then they were really weak. And it's like this is like who we view as so intimidating and powerful in society. But it it did kind of land with a whimper. Like I saw what he was trying to say with it. And it was kind of be like he's not really that scary anymore. Like he's just kind of a wimp.
4: He's not even worth dealing with, but mm-hmm. it, it did lead for a kind of unsatisfying ending, I would say.
0: I like that you said that, though, Zoe, because, like, in that moment, I was expecting, like, Jesse Buckley to react, like, in horror, you know, because normally there would be, like, the shocked expression look on the face of of what disgusting, grotesque moment we are seeing as an audience. But instead, she kind of just looks at it like, uh.
2: That mm-hmm. is literally my mm-hmm. favorite moment. I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> she just looked at it and she was like, "Fuck this. I'm going inside." I was just like, "Yes. Absolutely shut the door, lock the door, go to bed and get out of there."
0: <laughs> but it also just like spoke to what I think like Zoe was speaking about there a minute there, which is that the men are just so pathetic and the power that they hold over her is I don't want to say it's all in her mind because so many times in this movie, you know, she has these moments where she's being tormented and there are jump scares and she's running around the house trying to figure out what's happening and so on and so forth and then like, you know, all oh, the lights turn on and well, oh, there's nothing there and you know, maybe maybe uh Jeffrey comes in and is all like, you know, ah, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. I got oh, you, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But I, I, I was wondering, like, about just this idea of how pathetic, you know, men actually really are and how, like, they're given this power over women. You know what I mean? In so many cases where she finally just decides, like, at the end of the movie, I'm fucking done with it. And I'm like, I'm not giving you anything. I'm not giving you my love. I'm not giving you my body. I'm not giving you my like, any more
1: power over me, nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's, see, when I saw it from that perspective, I, I was more satisfied. But I will say when I first saw it, I was kind of expecting, like, you know, a more powerful punch to the ending. But I do like that messaging because I think I think he also gave an interview about it where he was saying, like, when you strip men down and kind of, like, you know, tear them apart. Like, there's not that much there, there, you know, like they're given these, you know, po- they're given this power through these religious and naturalist systems, you know, throughout history. But, you know, it's all kind of arbitrary and they, it's not something they like really possess innately. And I think that's what he's trying to get at. So below the surface, I think it's more intellectually satisfying. But in the moment, you know, because she's been so reactive throughout the third act. I definitely felt like she's merely just kind of watching, you know, him shift and change forms and, you know, cry or scream or like stuff like this, which is cool for Rory. And also, like, I get what Alex is trying to say. Is just like you were saying, it's not really scream queen material because she is just kind of like standing there holding a the knife as he, you know, tears himself apart. That's <laughs> mentioned a lot of naked men in this
0: movie. <laughs> We appreciate a reversal, so that's a, that's, that, that's nice. At the same time, though, I don't know. We talk a lot about, like, the male gaze and the female gaze, uh, not just in, you know, real life, but also in cinema. And a part of me was wondering, you know, how much of this movie could have been just ever so slightly different if it was directed by a woman. Like, like and I was just trying to think, like, okay, is the problem the screenplay or is the problem the direction? You know, like, well, I was trying to, like, figure it out and, like, kept coming back to uh, that I think the problem is the screenplay, because I actually think the direction is pretty sound in this, both from an aesthetic standpoint. You know, Josh, you were talking, like, before about the visuals, but I, I really think that the screenplay is where... I, I tend to have like the most problems with the movie when all is said and done.
3: Yeah, I I agree. I think that this movie is very well directed. I like the sense of uneasy atmosphere that Garland creates. I think all of that is really good. The problem that I come down to is the construction of the storytelling. And you know, we were remarking about how it seems like the Jesse Buckley character isn't really that fleshed out. And maybe being generous, is that was a intentional commentary, but. I don't really find that it is because none of these characters are really drawn out. I mean, Rory Kinnear, every role he plays is just meant to be a giant metaphor as well. And like, even the husband, I, I have to be honest that I do slightly disagree with those scenes between, uh, the, the flashback scenes where we see him and Jesse Buckley. I kind of felt like that dialogue was very, just sort of blunt and not very interesting to me. I, and I actually, felt kind of set a very sour tone for the rest of the movie when this is like the source of most of the trauma that this character is going through. I just felt like, man, we are just right into this moment of them fighting, and it's not a particularly... I mean, it's not supposed to be nuanced, I get that, but I just felt like the writing was very wooden to me in that scene, and it didn't really set the stakes very well for me, the emotional stakes anyway, for the rest of the film, so I feel like all the characters in here that we see, this entire story is all just vibe and metaphor and atmosphere, and I mean, I get it, but from a character perspective, that's just not really engaging to me, and as much as I do like atmosphere, I also kind of need concrete characters to go along with the ride. And I just never felt like Garland was really interested in that kind of an exploration. It was all about the themes, not really about the participants in the story that would comment on the theme. I completely agree with
0: you because I think that those scenes, like I like the idea of them. And I think that is what holds the impact over me. Cause I a hundred percent. am with you there on like the dialogue being extraordinarily blunt, um, uh, and I really wish, and I was really upset that we never got this in the movie, I would have liked to have seen the deterioration of their relationship that led them to that moment. Yeah. yeah. Why, in, why in the world did we not have like more flashbacks showing how the relationship was maybe at one time good and how it changed over time and then given us more insight into Harper as a character? Mm-hmm. Like That's what I feel like the movie was ultimately missing.
2: Yeah. I just would have liked one scene where... Her, a conversation or anything dealing with her did not have to be tied to a man. The only thing that I know that's her own is that she plays the piano and that she has a friend who we learn a little nothing about either. It's like I just would have liked to have learned something that was not tied to any of the men in the town, Um her her husband, boyfriend, fiancé, whoever he was, um, there's just nothing that she can really call her own with this. There's,
4: yeah, I mean, I, and again, this is a detail that maybe was not intended to be as interesting as it was, but, you know, the fact that Jesse Buckley is Irish and this film takes place in England, like, there's an opportunity for, like, a background. Like, she would technically be, like, an outsider in this in the country that she lives in. And, you know, the moments, like I said earlier, the forbidden fruit where the metaphor was so blunt that I I thought there has to be something deeper than this. And then there basically wasn't. I remember, you know, when she goes to the church, I know it's a, it's sort of set up for her to meet the vicar. But then, you know, she looks up at the stained glass windows and it's supposed to be so kind of scary because there's that, like... The, that those hymns in the background but it was kind of just like oh those are just some windows and you're not really doing anything with this imagery you're kind of just showing it to me and expecting me to extract some deeper meaning from it and that sort of i don't even know what that was that sort of chalice that stone chalice with the face like yeah it's kind of it's a little it's a little weird looking but like what what do you like what's the come on what, what are we doing here like beyond the fact that it's just a little scary looking and i no, I guess it it ends up looking like the – what would you call him? The primal Rory Kinnear later mm-hmm. on. But other mm-hmm. than that, it didn't – it was – I didn't really seem to have any purpose beyond that. And it's like religion is scary. Yeah, true.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of agree with you on that, that when – those moments started up because that's when the movie really kind of goes full force into the more ambiguous kind of storytelling. And I was intrigued initially to be like, oh, this seems like very moody and creepy and we don't really know exactly what's happening and this is a way to pull me in. But I feel like you then really see the connection between, yeah, that primal being that Roy Kinnear plays and you get, oh, like sort of natural lust of men and nature and how that's been there from the very beginning and of course because it's in a church it ties into that and it was another thing where it's like okay i kind of get it and you you did spend a lot of time making it seem like it was more complicated and the resolution sort of wasn't all that for me like it was still an interesting idea to explore but it really did feel like the movie kind of put a big exclamation point next to it to say like see how deep this (laughs) this exploration is when then we got the end it's like oh okay i mean i I, I get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do feel like the purposes um for each Rory Kinnear character were pretty pretty straightforward. But the one thing I would say is that he they at least gave him more room to kind of do something. We're kind of going back to James, her boyfriend. Um, I love that actor. He was great in I May Destroy You and I he got nominated for like an Emmy. Like he's great and he can do a lot more. And I, I didn't have a problem with the nature of their conversation. Like Matt was saying earlier, I think that I've been in a similar situation and it's very realistic and very troubling and, you know, kind of viscerally terrifying. But I felt like he was always at an 11 and I've better writing could have given him more room to kind of show, you know, the full range of his talent or other flashbacks to show another side to him instead of him just being this one thing. Because I feel like even all the Rory Kinnear characters kind of get a little bit more depth you know comparatively or they have more beats whereas he's always just like you know antagonistic or like you know histrionic and it's just yeah it's not as interesting of a dynamic
0: alright so what I want to do now is I do want to head over to final thoughts for men things that we did not touch upon or something you want to reiterate I'm going to kick it over first to Emma Sasek
2: hmm. <laughs> awkward silence um, I would say that I, I really agree with everything that we have discussed so far. Um, you know, the script definitely needed a little bit more work. Like I said, I just would have liked to have learned something more about, uh, Jesse Buckley's character that was not tied to all of this trauma and the experiences that she was dealing with in this film. Um, I guess I thought it was kind of interesting that she told Jeffrey that she did not play the piano and then we do learn that she does play the piano a little bit. So like I would have – that like actually intrigued me. I was like, hmm, I wonder why she lied to him. Maybe she just wanted to avoid any further questions from him. Yeah, she didn't
0: want any more conversation. (laughs) I, I think that was exactly what it was, Yeah. I mean, how many times have you lied to get out of talking to a dude?
2: That's true. That's true. She's (laughs) like, just let me enjoy this Airbnb for two weeks, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, she did a great job with everything that she was handed, um, even though not the most, not the best character Um, That was written on the screen. Um, I really do just have to praise the cinematography in this film. I think it it looks so beautiful, like we noted the apocalyptic um, orange hues in that scene between her and her husband. The tunnel stuff, like even just seeing her go further into the tunnel and her essentially disappearing into the blackness inside it, I just thought that that was so beautifully shot. Um, Really, any type of nature scene, like the greens just come in so beautifully. Um, And Rory obviously gave quite the performance. So there are definitely elements that um, make this film enjoyable to watch. However there are just a few other ones that like just took me out of it. And just like I said in the beginning, just gave me this cold feeling that was much more prominent in compared to his other films compared to Alex Garland's other films. So it was just a very strange feeling to be walking out of the theater like that.
0: It's also really weird too, because like his other two films, Annihilation and Ex Machina have female protagonists.
2: Yeah. And he, did them justice. Like we talk about those female protagonists and the roles that Alicia Vikander and Natalie Portman played. Like we've been talking about them for years now. And this one is just one that I just don't think I'll ever really rewatch after this.
0: Yeah. All right, Eve, what about you?
4: Well, I would say that everyone here sort of said what I am generally saying. Um, Still after our conversation, I'm still feeling a general sense of apathy and sort of coldness towards the film. I didn't mention that I am a really big fan of, um, ex machina. So I did have uh, a, a sort of idea of what I was getting into, uh, before seeing the film. And unfortunately I, my expectations were not met. It was just a hundred, uh, of a hundred minutes of extreme use of symbolism that never sort of dove any dove into anything deeper than that. It really just felt like it. Even in the title of the the film, which we funnily enough haven't really talked about, it's it's explicit. It's men. That's the, what the film is about. And so maybe we should have known. Maybe we should have known going into it that it was going to be this explicit and it's in its sort of politics and in its general thesis. But that doesn't really make for a very interesting movie for me because I always want to be challenged a little bit I or entertained at least and I didn't really find myself feeling either way in this case
2: I have to say that I really enjoyed seeing the title sequence come in like last shot of the film essentially they always trendy these days it is I They're always kind of like it. when I see that <laughs> I, I should mention that I,
4: I did there were a few moments of the cinematography that I did really appreciate it was kind of a I don't know pre-Renaissance like Hieronymus Hieronymus uh, Bosch uh, Garden of Earthly Delights sort of creepiness that I, I did appreciate. Um, so have something positive to say about it. I don't want to be completely negative.
0: Yeah, no. Rob Hardy is an extraordinary talent for sure, and I I do agree about the title and the title sequence. It, it uh, you know earlier uh, this year I was wondering like which movie is going to be like the blunt. Uh, like the blunt instrument for its title, Nope or Men (laughs) this year. I don't know. We'll see. You know, Jordan Peele still has to deliver uh, on that front. So we'll see how that all plays out in the end. But I do love that we got two titles like that this year. Men and Nope. (laughs) Nope. More one-word blunt titles, please.
2: (laughs) I love the moment in the trailer whenever Keep Keep Palmer goes, nah, nah, nah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Zoe, we're up to you. Um, I think I definitely, I do understand kind of where the more divisive negative side is coming from now. And I think especially when it comes to Harper or Jesse Buckley's character, there's a little bit of underwriting um, and he does overdo it on the metaphors. But overall for, for me, it falls into mother territory where I totally see how some will find this pretentious and, you know, like too big brain, but I, I really liked the ride. I like most of how he's saying what he's saying, even if it is, you know, very blunt. It's not, you know, we, we know men ain't shit like that's nothing new, but I like, you know, kind of the deep dive he does into it from naturalist and religious and, you know, philosophical and historic perspectives and how he brings that all together and, you know, that final sequence that's just going to stick with me probably through the rest of the year.
0: I was going to say they're all personified too through mm-hmm. Rory's characters. Like each one of those men has a different toxic trait.
1: Mm-hmm. And they come from like a different institution. Like you have the cop, you have the priest, you have the little kid, you know? It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think you know you can say it's simplistic and straightforward, but I, I still like really where it ends up, and especially I think that final sequence really seals the deal for for me. And I've I've come around a little bit on the very final scene um, because at first I was a little not satisfied as much too, but I like what it means and really what he's trying to do with it. So overall, I'm I'm pretty solid on it, and I still think even if it's not quite as well-formed as Ex Machina or even Annihilation. Um, I, it still you know makes me a really big fan of his, and I'm anxious to see what he does next.
0: I do have to comment on this because I actually forgot that it existed until a second ago. The moment with her on the couch at the end of the movie is actually not the final, final, final moment mm-hmm. before the credits. Uh, there is a scene after that, and I don't know about you all, but... I personally felt like it should have just ended there on the couch. And that last part was like kind of unnecessary.
2: It was just a little extra just to quite a shock to see her friend in person and be like, oh, that you are. (laughs) You have something extra.
0: I think that's what he was going for. Like, oh, look, another woman in the flesh. And she was pregnant, though.
2: Exactly. Yeah. She was pregnant. You're like, oh, didn't know that.
0: Probably with a man.
2: (laughs) I think I did know she was pregnant because at one point they say,
4: like, oh, we're going to, I'm going to come over and I'm going to watch you get drunk. So Mm. it was definitely hinted at before.
0: Yeah. Good point. Huh. Uh, God damn it! Am I gonna have to watch this again? Oh no.
4: What a, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What a bad friend! Your friend is in the middle of nowhere getting stalked, and you're like, "Just stay there. I'll be there in three hours." Like, <laughs> absolutely not. Get the hell out of there.
0: This is why I'll never move to the countryside. I like being in heavily populated areas. <laughs> Anytime someone's like, "Oh, I just want to get away from everybody," I'm like, "Yeah, you leave yourself wide open to attack." <laughs> 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 All right. Anything else, Zoe,
1: or... No, that was basically all I wanted to say, but I'm also anxious to really re because I think there's maybe a lot of imagery that I even missed the first time, and I, it is something I probably would revisit. All right, Josh Parham. A uh, couple things.
3: One, I do just want to reiterate how much I love Jeffrey. <laughs> I, I really, really love Jeffrey in this movie, and it's because that was, like, the one character that rather intentionally is supposed to be more inviting. Like, he is... You can see that he's awkward and kind of clumsy, but that's his charm to it. And you just know that you're waiting for the darker undercurrent to pop up and it flashes here or there, but then he quickly, like disarms it too. And I just found that character to be so fascinating. And the way that he plays him, I was just entirely captivating. i That was by far my favorite. Of all the characters that he played. And I just want to give another proper shout out to that particular performance from Rory Kinnear in the film. I, I really, really loved Jeffrey so much. Yeah, cosign. Yeah. And then the other thing that I want to say is, you know, it's, I know it's not great to get to the end of a movie and say, watch another movie. But something that this thing did really remind me of is the movie Damsel, the film with Mia Wasikowska and Robert Pattinson because that's another movie that also deals very much with the theme of men are terrible and won't leave women alone. And If you're looking for something that's not quite as, like, heavy and dark as this movie is, but I think actually does a better job of exploring the actual characters at the center of that story and dealing with similar themes, I would say that that is one that you should check out. Because, like, thematically, it really did remind me of Damsel a lot, and I think that film does a better job with characters as well, so... Just another like aside, if you get to the end of this one and feel a little unsatisfied, this is another movie you can look at that indulges in some similar topics.
0: It's also pretty funny. And boy, oh boy, does that movie subvert expectations?
3: Yes, it does. Yeah, I really like Damsel. It's a very good movie.
0: Really genuine surprises in that one, for sure. Uh, the only other note that I have before we go, I am very surprised that we didn't mention this, but I'll, I'll you know what? To avoid spoilers... I'll just say there's a certain body part that gets split in two yeah. down the middle. Yes, I mean,
3: yes, yeah.
0: Does. I mean, it was a good, well, it was an interesting
3: moment for sure. And I liked
0: how it was initially executed, Let, let's just say there's a one visual in particular with it where it, it goes over mm. Harper's shoulders.
4: Oh, that was gross. <laughs> it was so yeah. nasty.
0: I was laughing my ass off at how gross it was. I loved it. I mean,
4: <laughs> so nasty. Not to like, keep banging the dead horse
0: or is that the metaphor keep that can't be right beating a dead horse beating. It, it <laughs> close <laughs> enough. Yeah. my my <laughs> banging booming you know
2: keep
4: slapping a dead horse in the face um, <laughs> He's supposed to be like like a snake right like he's the snake it's, and that's like his his like serpent tongue like like that thing
1: <laughs> i i'm pretty sure actually someone else pointed this out to me pointed this out to me afterwards that when her boyfriend or husband or whoever he is falls off and lands on the fence outside their apartment complex. Yeah. Oh his yeah. Injured. Arm or hand is split. That same way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh. So that's. What oh yeah.
3: And then like and his later, ankle also
1: gets damaged too.
3: Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, mm-hmm. Again.
4: see that. <laughs> and the fact that he's giving birth to himself uh, repeatedly is like a you know a snake shedding its skin. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um. Oh wait. There's something else. I was gonna, oh yeah. That even though that part was really gross with the the hand split in two, the part that I. Ha- could not look at on the screen was involved um, a deer. Oh, oh,
3: yeah. oh yeah.
4: The second half of that of that shot. Oh yeah, I, I forgot. Was very... I was so grossed out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the maggots. It's the well, maggots, I, maggots, it's maggots for me. It's oh. The maggots for me. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> that's so
0: awful. All right, this has been a lovely conversation. Um, <laughs> I have gone back and forth on my grade on this. And I think at, at my heart, I'm at a 6 out of 10, but uh, Rory bumps it to me I because, like I said, I was not expecting to laugh during this movie. And that was just like such a welcome reprieve from it all. Um, aesthetically, I really dug it. Jesse Buckley is great. Like, I just feel like the positives do outweigh the negatives, but the negative is a pretty, a pretty big one being the screenplay. So... This is like one of those cases where the 0.5 system would really work, wouldn't it? Um, ah. Ah. Mm, got you on record Damn on that you. one, Matt.
2: <laughs> Damn you, Matt. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go with a six out of ten still. Uh, in the end, uh, that's where I'll settle on for for men. I liked it. I wish I loved it. And I wanted to say too, one other thing, just that was personal to me was when I saw this movie, Alex Garland did a Q and A afterwards. And usually I'm okay with filmmakers being a bit cagey with not wanting to explain their intentions and what they meant with something. But kind of just the way that he handled this Q&A really rubbed me the wrong way. And he also was trying to downplay that the movie was a horror film so much. Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he was saying, oh, this I don't think that this is a horror movie. And I was like, dude, you made a horror movie. Come on, really? And so it just, like, kind of speaks back to that pretentiousness that I was mentioning uh, a bit earlier. I really think that he felt like he had something to say with this movie. But at the same time, I think that he tried so hard to have it both ways, where it was shrouded in ambiguity, but also he wanted to really spell it out so that he didn't completely lose people. Maybe the movie could also do well commercially. Uh, And in the end, I don't think it's, like, satisfying... Uh, either one segment or the other. And that's why you're getting like this split opinion uh, ultimately. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with a six out of 10 uh, when all is said and done here, Josh, what about you? I'm going to land at a seven out of 10. So it's a movie that I still
3: really, that I did like overall. I did enjoy it. There was enough in there for me to recommend it. I just wanted a little bit more from the storytelling and that's why I'm not in love with it. But at the end of the day, I still found myself engaged enough with it that I liked it overall, even though I'm not quite in the territory of loving it. Zoe?
1: I'm at an 8 out of 10. I think I still – I can't really – I don't think I can go much higher because I do think there are a lot of reasonable complaints. But I, I still find it really compelling both you know visually and thematically, and I think I will probably still enjoy it just as much, if not more so on a rewatch.
0: Yeah, I already know I'm going to watch this again at some point or another. (laughs) Probably to show it to somebody, you Mm -hmm. know, if anything. But, Emma, what about you?
2: I'm landing at a 5 out of 10. I just kind of have, like, such mixed feelings about it that I'm like, I don't really know if I like it. I don't know if I hate it. So, middle point is okay with me. And I I do know that I don't like it. So, yeah, there's a 5 out of 10. (laughs)
0: Eve?
4: I'm also at a 5 out of 10, given my pre-mentioned uh apathy that i feel for this film and i really have no desire to ever watch it again and you know i was explaining what uh film i would be talking about on the podcast today to my like to my mom and i was like oh you know it's about a it's about a woman who's dealing with grief and she goes to the countryside and starts getting stalked by men and they're all playing but played by the same actor as soon as i said that they were like oh that's that sounds interesting and i'm like you would hate this movie, You will <laughs> never watch or like this movie. And they're like, well, would you recommend this to like anyone else? I'm like, I wouldn't recommend this to anyone I was related to. And they said, mm-hmm. would you recommend it to anybody? And I thought about it. And I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I would recommend this movie to anybody.
0: <laughs> I do think that it is a movie that I would recommend, though, just with like, I, I would add the asterisk of, hey, I don't know which side you're going to land on with this. It could go either way. Because there has been a lot of people that really do like it. So I I don't know. Like, that's the only thing I would probably just add is that I, I know, like, when people like usually ask me in my life, like friends, family, whatever, they'll come to me. Oh, Matt, should I see this? Is it worth me paying money to go see? And like, I'll be able to say sometimes enthusiastically, yes. Or, hey, don't waste your time or money with this one. It's like, uh, take it or leave it. Yeah, go. Don't go. You know, maybe just don't listen to me and go with what your gut is telling you.
2: I wouldn't know who to recommend this to either. I guess I would just say like, yeah, go watch it just to see how you react to it. Like it's one of those movies where you just, I guess you just have to see it and and, and tell me yourself how you think about it because it is so polarizing.
0: I also think it is the kind of movie where because Harper is so much of that audience surrogate that it is the kind of film that will people will respond to you differently depending on what you bring to
1: it and put onto Harper.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like, especially in those scenes where he's kind of pushing, like, female audiences towards certain scary situations. I definitely think that may enhance how you view her.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing's for sure, no Oscar potential for men. <laughs> no way. Yeah, no. <laughs> Although... I would not be surprised if I see a critics group here or there mention Rory Kinnear for best supporting actor.
1: Yeah, that was all I was going to say too. Not even probably the cinematography, but Rory, I think, could get some weird mentions or some nominations towards the end of the year. Come on, Ohio film critics, I know you can do it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It rubbed me the wrong way that he said, "Ladies, mind what you flush." It rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, I fucking know not to flush this stuff down the toilet. <laughs> I've lived this life for many years. I know at this point.
0: You've lived this life for men e years?
2: and oh. call. That was
3: bad even for you, man. <laughs> All right,
0: you've been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. <laughs> I'm being told I have to go. So we gotta go. <laughs> Josh Parham, where can he find you on the internet? <laughs> you can find me on
3: Twitter at <laughs> JR Parham.
0: Emma
2: You can find me online harassing men and Matt Neglia for awful jokes. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter at Emma underscore Sassic and Letterbox at Emma Sasek.
1: Evo Day.
4: You can find me on Twitter at Eve on Film.
1: Zoe Rose Bryant. You can find me on Twitter and on Letterboxd
0: at Zoe Rose Bryant. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of men here on the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.